following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Outside Blitz. Uh, I am your host, the uh, fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, and uh, tonight I am uh, all by myself again. Today, today, not really tonight. It's today. It's about one o'clock in the afternoon on uh, Saturday. This is um, just before uh, the divisional round playoff kicks off here, and uh, yeah, Alex Steele, man, he's a uh, busy, busy man today. So uh, I'm going to be handling duties, but. Next week, I'm actually getting kind of excited because Alex not only is going to be back, but we're talking about the possibility of having a good buddy of ours, Jerome, just do it, prove it, on the uh, show. So, very fired up to have uh, Jerome on the show, but today, it's just me. That's right, I'm all by myself, so you guys get to listen to my voice today, which, hey, that's fine. It is what it is. Um, but we've got some stuff going on around the league. It is divisional round weekend. I hope everybody enjoyed the wild card weekend. Wild card weekend was interesting to say the least, uh, very interesting time. But at the end of the day, uh, we, we are here, we're in the divisional round and we've got four games, we've got two games today, two games tomorrow. So I wanted to make sure I got this podcast out before the games actually took place. Um, little bit of a squeeze this week, but that's all right. I'm getting it done. That's right. I, I will not let you down. I am going to be recording uh, this stuff for you guys, regardless whether or not Alex is here, whether or not uh, uh, Tyler is here, whether or not Jerome Pruitt is here. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm going to be on board, so you will not have to worry about that. That said, folks, we got some stuff to talk about. I'm going to be talking at length about the Vikings, Vikings Twitter, stuff like that, which is very entertaining. Uh, I went viral last night for <laughs> seems like all the wrong reasons but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit and and we'll get down to the nitty-gritty uh, we do have some results to talk about and we're gonna jump into those uh, right now so folks saddle up right here on the outside blitz here we go with our scores for the NFL wildcard weekend starting out with the 49ers and the Seahawks the Niners beat the Seahawks 41 to 23 you know uh, this game was kind of interesting. It was actually pretty close going into the half. Seahawks held a one-point lead going into the half, and then it was all Niners from there. I mean, the 49ers did not take their foot off the gas. Geno Smith struggled to get anything going in the second half. Uh, Kenny Walker, only 15 carries for 63 yards. He had a 4-2 average. I mean, it was a pretty quiet day for everybody outside of DK Metcalf, really. And Metcalf had 10 receptions for 136 yards, two touchdowns on the day. Really had himself a, a hell of a game, but you know it, that that was not enough. <laughs> uh, Brock Purdy struggled in the first half, and and then came alive in the second half. Wound up with uh, going 18 for 30, 332, three touchdowns on the day. Christian McCaffrey got going. Uh, Debo Samuel got going, and it was nice to see Debo back on the field. Six receptions for 133 and a touchdown. This was a great game by the Niners all around. Um, you know. I was pointing out, you know, that I, I was waiting for Brock Purdy to have himself his comeback down to earth game, uh, and and really, he sort of did in the first half. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be the game where the Niners go out and get beat up by the Seahawks and get knocked out of the playoffs in the first round. What a time to have your bad game! And then Brock Purdy came alive in the second half. 
you know, Purdy has been something special. I got to point out, folks, everybody's getting excited about this kid. He's been sort of treated like he's the next Tom Brady and, you know, oh, Mr. Mr. Irrelevant is suddenly relevant, and I get it. But let's, let's just not forget that this 49ers team really hasn't taken on anybody. Uh, if you look at their, their schedule, especially when Brock Purdy came in and really throughout a majority of this season, the Niners didn't really take on anybody special. I, I mean, the, and, and the teams they did take on that were good, they got they got spanked by. And, and really, the Seahawks, if you think about it, uh, the Seahawks backed their way into the playoffs this year. This is not something where, where uh, um, I, I'm surprised that the Niners won or anything like that. I, I, I expected the Niners to win. I called them as, as the winners of this game. And they got it done. So the 49ers go out and beat the Seahawks 41-23. Um, and man, it, what a what a game that one turned out to be. Uh, so the Niners go ahead and get it done against the Seahawks. Next up, we got oh, actually probably one of the more exciting games of the week. The Chargers and the Jags. This one was a tale of two halves. In the first half, the Chargers were running away, running away with this thing. It was 24-7 uh, going into halftime. And the Jags come roaring back, 13 points in the third quarter, 11 points in the fourth quarter. Trevor Lawrence in the first half of this game threw four interceptions, four. It was probably one of the most ugly first halves of football that, that I'd ever seen. And the bounce back that we got to see out of Trevor Lawrence and the way he he led his team you know, down the field, four touchdown passes. I mean, Evan Ingram got a touchdown pass. Christian Kirk got a touchdown pass. Zay Jones got a touchdown pass. Marvin Jones got a touchdown pass. He was like like Oprah handing out touchdown passes. It was it was wild. He leads his team back. They come back to win by one in this game. I mean, it, it was just a spectacular come from behind performance from from Trevor Lawrence. Doug Peterson really is something special, you know, and I I think that Doug Peterson uh, um has helped big time in turning the Jacksonville Jaguars around and, and really guiding Trevor Lawrence in a big way. I mean, good on Trevor Lawrence for, for getting this done. Good on Doug Peterson for, for guiding Trevor Lawrence in this offense the way he did. The Jags came firing back. They get the win. They advance the divisional round. They're going to be taking on the Chiefs this weekend, um, which I think is going to be a much more exciting game than people realize If as long as this Jaguars team, you know, uh, uh, shows up that can... That can you know, go out and really look like they can beat anybody. And, and we got to remember the Jags had a slow start to the season and then came back firing. So it's going to be an exciting time. But the Jags beat the Chargers. They move on and uh, win 31-30. to Exciting time uh, for, for the Jacksonville Jaguars in Duval. And then over there with the other wild card games, uh, first game of the week was uh, Bills and the uh, Dolphins. Uh, look, I didn't expect this game to be this close. This game was weirdly close. Dolphins go out and, and bring it within three, but the Bills get the W 34-31. Uh, Skylar Thompson was not good in this game. A lot of people thought Skylar Thompson was just tremendous in this game, but he wasn't. Um, you know, Skylar Thompson, 18 for 45, 220. He had a touchdown and two picks. Uh, you know, I, I, I was surprised at how well Miami really played defensively they had a few turnovers in this game and even though the bills put up 34 points i mean like let's be real the, the dolphins really kept it really close and at one point they even had a lead i mean they were, it was it was a very back and forth game uh it was it was 20 to 17 bills were leading the miami at halftime and then you know it, it was it was just wild i i couldn't believe what i was seeing miami scored a touchdown and then bills came roaring back and and picked up the w 
But man, what an exciting game for for uh, uh, these two teams. And I, like I didn't expect Miami to really keep it this close. Josh Allen went 20, 23 for thirty nine. He had three hundred fifty two yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, which uh, was a little uncharacteristic of Josh Allen, especially against this Miami defense. Steph Diggs and Gabe Davis leading the way. Diggs was 7 for 114 yards. Gabe Davis had 6 for 113 and a touchdown. And James Cook got in the end zone for him too. So it was an exciting time. Cole Beasley also got involved, which got a huge pop from the Buffalo crowd, by the way. But the Bills uh, get the W. They advance. The Buffalo Bills will be taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll talk about that shortly um, this upcoming weekend. Uh, next up, so I'm going to skip this next one because for this uh, Giants Vikings game, I'm going to talk about that last because um, I'm going to I'm going to talk a little bit about the Vikings here and and Vikings Twitter who apparently hates me. I'm public enemy number one, but we'll we'll find out uh, exactly my thoughts on that. But next up, let's talk about this Bengals Ravens game. The Bengals get it done against the Ravens, 24 to 17. Um, in the most unlikely of fashions, uh, it was really the ba- the Ravens who everybody counted out. Nobody really liked. Uh, they were really, you know, given given the Bengals the business here for a little bit. The Bengals allow the Ravens tied 17-17. The Ravens drive down the field. They get all the way to the one yard line. Tyler Huntley goes to dive over the the line to get into the end zone. The ball gets batted out. And, and it comes down in the hands, if I'm not mistaken, of Sam Hubbard, who catches it and then proceeds to run the length of the field to go and score a, a touchdown. He runs, I believe it was 98 yards. He, he's, he ran all that way to go score a game-winning touchdown. Um, it, it was the most unlikely play I'd ever seen. I, I really was surprised, like I said, that the Ravens were giving uh, anybody... Or I'm sorry, it, it fell in the hands of Cam Sample. But, but it... Uh, I'm surprised that the Ravens gave the Bengals a hard time in this game. And the, the Bengals, their offensive line was was bad. A lot of injuries there. I mean, that that's just what it is. But for this game to be this close, very surprising, especially with how high-powered the Cincinnati offense is and really with how questionable the Ravens' defense has been. I know the Ravens notoriously have a good defense, but the last couple of years has, hasn't been like that Ravens-caliber defense that we've always talked about. Um, and I, I'm not sold on that defense right now. And, and really, they, they still gave the Bengals a run for their money. So I'm a little surprised. But the uh, the Bengals ultimately wind up getting this thing done on that unlikely play. And, and Joe Burrow has himself a relatively quiet game. 23 for 32, 209. He had a touchdown on the day. He also ran a touchdown in. He had five carries for nine yards. But, I mean, Jamar Chase, nine receptions, 84 yards, and a touchdown. Beyond that... Eh, pretty quiet game. Joe Mixon only had 11 carries for 39 yards. I mean, it, it wasn't a great game for the Bengals offensively. We're going to see if they can turn it around, but it's going to be tough against a Bills defense that actually is really tough. Um, Jordavius White is playing at a great level for the Bills, so they're going to have a, a fun time uh, going over there. But the Ravens wind up getting the W. They advance to the divisional round 24-17. Uh, next up, we got the Cowboys stomping the hell out of the Buccaneers. I sort of didn't expect this with how the Bucks ended the season. It kind of took me for a loop a little bit. Dak Prescott didn't end the season very well. This one, <laughs> he gets the W. 25 for 33, 305 yards, four touchdowns on the day. Dak Prescott had himself a game. And you know who else had himself a game, just for the record? Dalton Schultz. Out of nowhere. Seven receptions, 95 yards, two touchdowns on the day. 
interesting thing. Dalton Schultz showed up, and, and he looked like one of the best tight ends in all of football, which is sort of surprising to me. I, I think Dalton Schultz is good. I just don't think he's great. Dak Prescott made him look great. I mean, he really did, and Dak Prescott balled out. He didn't play bad football one bit. He was probably one of the best quarterbacks of the week. So, hey, Dak gets it done and uh, uh, takes out Tom Brady. In the meantime, on the Bucks side, they're going to have some questions coming up. We're going to be talking about them shortly, but Tom Brady goes 35 for 66. He threw the ball 66 times in this game, only wound up with 351 yards and two touchdowns and a pick. So I think that might be a testament to that Dallas Cowboys defense as well. But the Bucs go out, get stomped. I mean, I, I, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect it at all. Chris Godwin, 10 receptions, 85 yards. Julio Jones, 7 receptions, 74 yards, and a touchdown. Mike Evans, 6 receptions for 74 yards. As usual, the Bucs couldn't get the running game going. This was a mess, and and the Bucs had some decisions to make, and they made one this past week. We'll talk about that in a little bit uh, when we start talking over our news around the league. But just a, a rough game for, for the Buccaneers and a, a rough way for it to finish. Tom Brady, man, this may be his last pass that he's ever thrown. We don't know yet. We don't know what's going to go on with, with uh, the man who many consider the GOAT. We're going to find out. But Tom Brady, man, he winds up getting just beat up by the by the Dallas Cowboys, which I'm, I, I was sort of flabbergasted by. And the Cowboys advance. They've got a, a date with the uh, San Francisco 49ers. And then this last game, which we're going to talk about a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to talk at length about, about this a little bit because uh, people have been uh, very – there's been a split crowd, I guess you could say. I, I think that's the best way you can put it. There's been a very split audience on what happened in this game. Um, and, and I think one thing that everybody can agree on is that the Minnesota Vikings defense had a breakdown. The Vikings lose this game to the Giants 31-24. to um, sort of in a, a very surprising fashion. Uh, the, the Vikings giving up 31 points is not a surprise because the Vikings' defense has been very bad. Um, I, I think a lot of people expected the Vikings to win this game. I know, I know, I did. You know, and and that's kind of what it comes down to. But uh, and, and I know Alex and Andrew as well. We we across the board selected Vikings, and and they they sort of just didn't kind of show up. Here's the thing about this game, and and. First and foremost, just based on the game, let's let's talk about this. First of all, Daniel Jones had himself a hell of a game against the Vikings defense. Um, that's that's the first thing I'll, I'll throw out there. He had himself just the game of his life, um, and this has been the Vikings' mo all year. They've been making quarterbacks that are very iffy or bad look like the second coming of Joe Montana. Um, Daniel Jones, they made him look like Joe Montana. I mean, it, it's just what it is. Uh, Daniel Jones had 17 carries for 78 yards. He went 24 for 35 for 301 and two touchdowns. I mean, the, he had himself a game of life, game of his life. I mean, it's just what it is. And and the Vikings gave up a lot. Now, the Vikings defense is the main problem in this game. There's no question. And and I think a lot of folks are, are blaming Kirk Cousins for this loss primarily. There's a lot of folks out there that just, you know, hate Kirk Cousins and, and, I've been critical of Kirk at certain times, and I will continue to be critical of Kirk at certain times. That is not going to change. But uh, I am also going to throw out there that that as far as Kirk Cousins goes, um, you know, he was not the primary reason for this loss. And I think a lot of Vikings fans need to understand that. 
I don't care how much you like Kirk Cousins, how much you hate Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins was not the problem for this loss. It was the defense. The defense has been bad all year. It was ranked 31st. And this shell defense that Ed Donatel put in, this, this double zone, deep zone safety with the, the shell, it, it gives up everything underneath. That's the whole problem with this, this defense. You can give up anything underneath and just let teams trot down the field, and then you try to do this bend-don't-break thing when you get inside the 10, and it just doesn't work. And I've been saying that all year. It just doesn't work. That's how you wind up in a situation where you're getting stomped out 40 points by the Cowboys or you're getting stomped out 41-17 by the Green Bay Packers. That, that's why those things occur, because you let teams just walk down the field and get inside the 10, and then you can't stop them. You know, like, you got to be able to stop them at least inside the 10 if you're going to do this bend-don't-break thing. And, and it just doesn't work a lot of times. That's how you give up a lot of points, you know, in these football games and, and run the, the potential of getting blown out. And I feel like the Vikings did get very, very lucky in some of those games to not get blown out. Um, and, and I think it put a lot of stress on the offense and Kevin O'Connell to try and get the offense going. It put a lot of stress on Kirk Cousins. And, and the, to the Vikings' credit and the Vikings' offense credit and to Kevin O'Connell's credit and Kirk Cousins' credit, they were capable and able to keep up with these other teams in this situation. So realistically, I, I look at um, I look at this situation, and it, it was the defense was the main problem. Now, look for the Kirk stands out there. There's a lot of people that are saying Kirk bears absolutely no blame for this this loss, and and I, I do think he bears only a slight amount. And here's why I'm only going to give him a sliver of of the blame here, just a sliver. Because that last throw was atrocious. And and whether or not, I mean, like at first everybody goes, you know, I saw even Kirk stands out there going, oh, that throw was so bad, that's so bad. But sometimes I think some of the Kirk stands out there get in, in the, the Cousins Crusaders or whatever you want to call them. I think sometimes they get a little too focused on the idea of trying to defend Kirk Cousins as opposed to uh, just being realistic about the situation. You know, Kirk Cousins played good ball. He went 31 for 39, 273, two touchdowns in this game. I mean, he did not play bad. Um, a, a couple things. Number one, Justin Jefferson didn't show up. I mean, seven receptions for 47 yards. I understand. Like, eventually, you got to do something that is going to eliminate bracket coverage problems because it seems like it was, um, it, it seems like it was just like, Every time this bracket coverage came out, Justin Jefferson couldn't get around it. And I don't understand why Kevin O'Connell didn't scheme for it or didn't prepare for it. Because any team that played him bracket coverage, like we got to see this past week, Justin Jefferson, he couldn't get it done. He couldn't get open. He couldn't get passes his way. And, they, and you know, I understand that these teams, are what they're doing, they're doing bracket coverage. And then they're, they're throwing an additional safety over the top. I, I get it. I understand there's a lot of coverage on Jefferson. I understand teams are trying to take him away, and and that's fine. But but Justin Jefferson, you know, we, we got to figure out, Kevin O'Connell's got to figure out how to scheme open against the bracket coverage. And Justin Jefferson's got to gotta be able to get open in these situations, and, and he hasn't been getting open for the last couple of games. He finish, finishes the season with a whimper last three games. I mean, it, it was just bad. So we'll, we'll throw that out there. Second thing I want to point out about this offense is Adam Thielen. Uh, Adam Thielen had three receptions for 50 yards in this game. Adam Thielen is no longer a number two receiver. Uh, I mean, people want to want to talk about the fact that that Adam Thielen is a, a number two receiver, um, and and people believe that KJ Osborne is going to be the second coming in of the of a number two receiver, and that he's going to be the guy. And I don't think either one of them is a number two. 
I'll be honest. I, I don't really, uh, you know, I understand Adam Thielen is sort of Vikings royalty. I understand that there's a lot of people out there that love Adam Thielen, and I don't blame him. He was a special story. He's been with this team for 10 years. He's a walk-on. I understand the excitement and love that Adam Thielen gets. But eventually we've got to talk about Adam Thielen and, and understand that he is not a number two receiver anymore. I mean, that's age, father time does no jobs. You know, I mean, that's that's just what it is. You don't you don't defeat father time. And I think Adam Thielen is is dealing with that right now. Um, and, and for the record, you know, Adam Thielen may not be with this team after this year. The way his wife is talking, uh, Caitlin Thielen, she's been very vocal since the end of this game saying, you know, all our time in Minnesota might be up, and Adam Thielen carries a huge contract hit, and and you know, Caitlin Thielen turned into Brittany Brittany Mahomes this past week, which was just obnoxious. Um, so Adam Thielen may not be here, but Adam Thielen is not a number two. The Vikings need to consider going into the first round of this draft and selecting a new number two receiver. And I do believe that Jor uh, uh, Jordan Addison or uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba might be available at the time when the Vikings pick at twenty three. Uh, technically, it's 24, but the the Dolphins have uh, uh, had that one pick forfeited. So you know, really, the Vikings are picking at 23. But I digress. Adam Thielen is just not the guy that he used to be, and we have to understand that, folks. And and I think it affected Kirk Cousins. And I know a lot of people, you know, are are defending Kirk Cousins in that situation as well. Jefferson and Thielen did not do their job. Now, to the credit of T.J. Hawkinson. He did his job, and I hope the Vikings extend him this upcoming year. He had 10 receptions for 129. But when we get to this last play, when it comes to Kirk Cousins, uh, this last play, it was a fourth and eight. Kirk Cousins backs up into the pocket, throws a three-yard check down to a very blanketed TJ Hawkinson, uh, and, and TJ Hawkinson gets popped, obviously short of the sticks. Vikings lose, and that was kind of it. And, and our season kind of went out with a big fart noise. I mean, that's just what it was. When it comes to Kirk Cousins, and I know a lot of people don't want to give him a hard time about this loss, and I'm not one of those people. I don't want to give him a hard time for this loss. But um, I think Kirk Cousins deserves every bit of blame for that, uh, that check down. I understand there were guys in his lap. I understand Dexter Lawrence was in his lap. I understand that there was a pocket collapsing around him. I get it. K.J. Osborne comes over the middle of the field, and, and everybody keeps arguing, oh, no, K.J. wasn't open. No, you know, how's Kirk going to see K.J.? He's got pressure in his face. Look, K.J. Osborne was open. He had his man beat. He came he came over the center. He, he, he came over the middle of the field, and he was open. He was open. He had his whole body turned. Kirk Cousin makes that throw. I mean, it's, it's a everyday NFL throw. That's just what it is. It's an everyday NFL throw. I don't know how else you, you can put it. That is a throw that I see almost every single week in the NFL. I mean, it is. And uh, K.J. Osborne did not get the ball sent his way. And, and frankly, I mean, I understand Kirk had pressure in his face. Maybe he missed the read. Maybe he did. And and that that's fine. I can I can deal with the idea of Kirk Cousins possibly missing that read. That's fine. I can I can deal with that. I can roll with that. But at the end of the day, Kirk Cousins did in fact miss the read. And and KJ was open, and that would have given you the first down that extended the drive that could have potentially brought you down the field to score a touchdown and tie this thing and take it to overtime. But at the end of the day, Kirk didn't do that. Kirk checked it down to TJ Hawkinson, five yards short of the sticks, and and gave everybody kind of a, a 
you know, it really pissed everybody off. A lot of a lot of the Kirk's the Kirk haters they call them, and and for a while I was a Kirk hater, and this year Kirk Cousins he made a believer out of me. But at the end of the day, Kirk Cousins he missed in this situation. He 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 threw to the wrong guy, and he missed the read, and it is what it is. And and I understand Kirk stands. You're just pounding on the table, ah, bah, bah, trying to make excuses for the guy. But at a certain point, you have to at least, at the very least, because even though this loss isn't entirely his fault, you at least have to give him some of the responsibility and say, that was a bad throw. I mean, really, end of the day, it was a bad throw. So, I mean... At the end of the day, Kirk Cousins and company, they, they you know, my boys go home and, and they, they lose one of the Giants. The Giants had themselves a hell of a game. And they go on to take on the Philadelphia Eagles, which is going to be woo, an adventure for them. Uh, they've lost to the Eagles twice. Uh, ben, Isaiah Hodgins had himself a game, eight receptions for 105 yards and a touchdown. Darius Slayton had four receptions for 88. Saquon Barkley had five for 56 on top of nine carries for 53 yards and two touchdowns. I mean... The Vikings defense couldn't do anything here, and and Ed Donatel was a mess. Now, before I jump into um, some of the news around the league, because we do have quite a bit of, you know, Black Black Monday news, and we've got a lot of stuff going on as far as coordinators moving around and coordinators getting fired and whatever the case may be. Um, and for the record, I, I, I Ed Donatel, whose head I was calling for, Ed Donatel did get fired. Uh, by the Minnesota Vikings this week, which was just awesome. It was it was uh, very good news, and and I know no everybody is kind of losing their minds about Ed Donatel, and and um, and uh, we're the Vikings since then have requested an interview with Brian Flores, which I'm all about. I love Brian Flores. I think he's a great great coach. He's a great coordinator. He's just great at his job. So I'm fired up about the idea of Brian Flores coming in. So we'll fire that up. Um, and and uh, Ed Donatel. Uh, gets let go, which the Vikings needed to do after this season. First and foremost, uh, the Viking. I want to talk about Vikings Twitter because some of the things that um, you know, Vikings Twitter man has been out of control. The you know, I I, I always joke on here, you know, like oh, uh, you know, I I went on Twitter, you know, and and you know, shame on me, and and it's true. <laughs> like once again, I went on Twitter, shame on me. Um, Vikings Twitter is one of the worst places in the world. I just want to throw that out there. Vikings fans, you are some of the most insufferable fucking people on that on that social media platform. You really are. You are the most insufferable fucking people on there, and, and it is just mind-boggling to me. Um, first and foremost, as far as that Donatel getting fired, all of you folks were, were stomping your feet and getting all pissed off. First of all, if... if I think one reason why people were so pissed off that Ed Donatel wasn't fired at Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adafo Mensa's um, uh, presser, their their postseason presser, the they they were upset because they wanted results and they want them quick. And in this world, you know, you want results and you want them quick. I hell, I wanted Ed Donatel fired in the in the tunnel on his way leaving the field after that loss to the Giants. Ed Donatel was a mess this year. I think a lot of folks were just kind of expecting, you know, the the two of them to come out, and some people were were 
saying some like ridiculous things, some over-exaggerated things. Oh, well, you expected them to go into a presser and just trash a Donatel? Hang on a second, guys. Let's not over-exaggerate certain things. Let's just not do that, okay? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna just throw that out there. We're not going to over-exaggerate that situation, okay? Because if you think for a split second that Quazy and, and Kevin O'Connell were going to come out to that and just trash at Donatel, give me a break. Give me a break, guys. It was going to be, hey, we've, we've informed Ed Donatel that we've decided to go in a different direction. You know it and I know it. So let's not beat around the bush, folks. Let's just not, let's not do that. There was going to be no trashing. And, and the idea that, that people thought that this was going to be the Comedy Central roast of Ed Donatel uh, by the, and a head of Vikings presser is just silly bullshit. Number two, um, I, I went viral, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit. I went viral last night um, for pointing out that Kyle Hamilton went on, on PFF. He, he went out of this season as the number one ranked safety in all of football. He ended the year in, in, in that spot. Number one ranked safety. And a lot of people were uh, very up in arms about that. But on top of it, they were all up in arms. And, and I was upset. I, I have been very critical of the Vikings' selection of Lewis Seen. I've been critical of it since draft day. I didn't like the pick. I thought it was a silly pick. And, and a lot of folks really are big on high on Lewis Seen. And I have not been big and high on Lewis Seen. And, and I've, I've said that on this show several occasions, that I have, I'm not big on the selection. I think he's, he's going to be a bust. I don't, I don't believe in him. I don't, I don't like him. I don't like his play style. I, I don't, and, I, and for, the, for the record, I don't want Lewis Seen to do bad. I'm a Vikings fan at the end of the day, and I want him to do well. But Lewis Seen could not learn our off, or I'm sorry, our defense. He could not learn, learn the defense. And then on top of not being able to learn the defense, he lost starts because of it. He couldn't beat out fourth-round Cam Bynum and sixth-round Josh Metellus for starts in the first three games, first four games. He couldn't do it. He couldn't. And then I understand he got hurt in London, and he, he broke his leg, and it, and it sucks, and, and you know, wish nothing for, but the best for him. But he goes out and gets hurt. He couldn't get starts as a first-round pick and people are just giving him a pass over the fact that he broke his leg. And, and just saying, oh, well, it's no big deal that he couldn't start those first four games. No, when, when we draft a guy at that level, I ex and, and with what we have on our roster, I expect that man to be a first-day starter. That's my expectation. The fact that this man couldn't learn our offense is a problem. Whether or not you like it, whether or not you believe in that, whether or not you agree with me, the fact that he couldn't learn our offense is an issue. The fact that he couldn't beat out Josh Metellus for a start against Detroit is an issue. The fact that he couldn't beat out Cam Bynum for starts, who was a fourth rounder, and they're all learning a brand new system, mind you. That is a problem. But because he broke his leg, everybody goes, oh, well, he got hurt this year. No big deal. Well, no, it Really, guys, you, you and, and people on Twitter, I, I posted about that on Twitter, and it seems like Vikings Twitter just lost their minds. Lost their minds. It was insanity. And and I, I mean, I've been called every name in the book 
for the last 24 hours about this. I mean, now I, now I know how Skip Bayless feels in a lot of these situations. And in Vikings Twitter, they they obviously missed the point of the post, and and uh, they they think I'm just trolling the guy because he's hurt. No, I'm not trolling the guy because he's hurt. God damn, people, use your fucking brains. You know, and and uh, Lewisine so far he's trending bust. Same with Andrew Booth. Right now, Andrew Booth is trending bust. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, people, you want to be angry about it. You want to get pissy about it. You know, you you know, I, I get idiots, and I'm probably going to get more followers at the end of the day, but they, this fucking idiot Ted Glover out here, you know, just flaming me on, on, on fucking Twitter over here. Come on, man. Give me a fucking break. And people are calling a bad take. Hey, you know what? You're entitled to your opinion. That's your prerogative. But Jesus Christ, folks, use, use your brain. I would like to think that our fan base is a little more intelligent than that. But, hey, you you uh, maybe I'm asking a little too much on, on a shit show of a platform like the uh, Twitterverse of the Minnesota Vikings fans. So there's that. Now, jumping into the news around the league, we already talked about, about Ed Donatel and company. Brian Flores coming in. Um, very excited about that. I think Brian Flores could bring something special to the Minnesota Vikings. But... It's it's kind of funny that this is happening right now because the Dolphins just fired their defensive coordinator Josh Boyer after three seasons. You know Brian Flores knows defense. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. And yet here we are, Brian Flores, the former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, who was released in the most shitty fashion. Um, Man, he's out there interviewing for head coaching jobs. I think the Dolphins made a, a horrible mistake letting him go. I know Mike McDaniel's a special guy, but come on. Yeah, Brian Flores is a, a solid coach. He's a good coordinator. I think he's going to make a really good D.C. Um, somewhere, especially if he comes to the Minnesota Vikings. I'm fired up for that. I, I think that's going to be a great time. I think it will be a massive improvement over uh, you know what we wound up getting with Ed Donatel and that that. You know, deep zone, that deep shell coverage, not a fan of that. So, uh, yeah, the, the Dolphins go out and they fire their D.C., and then now you've got you've got uh, Brian Flores running around. Um, elsewhere around the league, other D.C.'s getting let go, other offensive coordinators getting let go, but one guy that didn't get let go, and this would, I love this hire, the Browns hire former Lions head coach Jim Schwartz as their defensive coordinator. This was the most under-the-radar, badass hiring. I like Jim Schwartz. As a defensive coordinator, I think Jim Schwartz is one of the one of the most solid defensive coordinators in the league. I I, I thought it was it was stellar. Um so this this is a great hire. Uh and I, I completely forgot that Jim Schwartz was even out there. I didn't know that Jim Schwartz was out there as as a potential defensive coordinator. He knows defense. People need to understand he knows defense, and and I don't think people are are paying attention enough to this hire. This is an excellent hire. So uh, great job by the uh, the old Cleveland Browns there. And speaking of the Lions, the Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, he was out there interviewing with teams and and kind of getting some feelers out there. But he has decided instead he informs the teams that he was interviewing with that he's staying with Detroit in 2023. He was being considered for a lot of head coaching jobs. I'm surprised that that none of them really kind of um, 
really caught his eye a little bit, but hey, you know, the Lions, good for them. They wind up getting their offensive coordinator back, who actually did really well after a really rough 1-6 and six start. He comes out as their OC and, and, you know, causes that team to perform offensively way above par, way above average. Uh, gotta love what Ben Johnson's doing, and I think it's an excellent, uh, an excellent thing for the Detroit Lions to be able to retain him uh, moving forward. Uh, one team that is not going to be retaining their offensive coordinator is the Chargers. They go out and fire their offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, after the massive playoff collapse. Uh, like I said earlier, it was a tale of two halves. The Chargers, Justin Herbert, they came out super strong in the first half of that playoff game and uh, just kind of collapsed at, at, in the second half. They they didn't really do much. They were settling for field goals, and they, they really weren't, weren't able to maintain drives and sustain drives. It was just a really... Uh, a bad situation for the Chargers, and they go out and fire uh, Lombardi, and, and it sucks, but uh, the the Chargers are out there looking for a new OC, and I don't blame them. Uh, and also, Chargers GM Tom Telesco has said that head coach Brandon Staley's job was, quote-unquote, never in jeopardy. He has our full support. Uh, you know, hey, rock and roll. Um, I, I can, I'm totally here for it. Uh you know Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley, I think, is a, is a solid defensive mind, but he needs a great offensive mind to come into that that team. I mean, if you if you're going to stick with Staley, who's been somewhat exciting and kind of a younger head coach, you know, I thought he was kind of on the hot seat this year. Eh, not so much. Not so much, I guess. So they fired their OC, looking around for a new OC, and there are some great ones out there, especially guys like Alabama offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien. And guess what? He just interviewed with his former team, the Patriots, for their offensive coordinator position. Um, I like Bill O'Brien a lot. I, I think people gave him sort of a bad rap when he was at Houston. Uh, one thing about Bill O'Brien that that uh, as a head coach that I thought was kind of bad, and it was sort of something that was sort of Belichicky, I guess you could say. Um, he was very much focused on also being a general manager. And he got the that sort of had that role. He got he had player control in that situation. He could just do whatever he wanted. That's never a good thing. And Bill Belichick proved that he's not good at that either. And and now Bill O'Brien also proved that he's not good at that. And uh, that's why you leave it up to the general managers to do that part, and you focus on coaching the football team. Uh, Bill O'Brien, as an offensive coordinator and as, a, as an offensive mind is special. Bill O'Brien as a head coach, I thought he was still very special. I feel like the Texans sort of made a knee-jerk reaction in firing Bill O'Brien. I think Bill O'Brien can take a team to the Super Bowl. I really believe that. I think he's that good um, of an offensive mind. He's that good of a potential head coach. Um, and, and the fact that, that the Texans let him go is, is a travesty. It, it really is. It, I, I thought it was a travesty. So it's good that he's getting work. It's great that he got uh, the work over there with the University of Alabama, which is obviously one of the best programs, if not the best program in all of uh, college football. I know a lot of people would argue Georgia right now, but it still is the Crimson Tide, folks. Let's not let's not forget it. And also, you know, Bill O'Brien goes back to Bill Belichick, who he he basically came in with. You know, I mean, yeah, that was that was the staff he was originally on. So. Hey, good for Bill O'Brien. Teams need to be looking at Bill O'Brien, though, if they're going to be serious about their uh, potential offensive coordinator duties um, being filled here. Other teams firing their offensive coordinators. The Bucks go out and fire their offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich, after four seasons. You know, it's interesting that this happens. 
because Byron Lefwich, he was being considered, if I'm not mistaken, for the head coaching position. Um, and he didn't obviously get the job. And and Todd Bowles winds up getting the job. And and frankly, I I think Todd Bowles is a bum as a head coach. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I've said it on this show, and I'm going to say it again. I think he's a bum. Todd Bowles has run teams into the ground. He has. He has run teams into the ground. He, run, he ran the Jets into the ground. Now he's running the Bucks into the ground. Todd Bowles has no idea what the fuck he's doing. And the fact that that the Bucks made him a head coach, I'm surprised. The fact that that they they didn't go with Byron Leftwich, I'm surprised. I think Leftwich is a good offensive coordinator. I think him and, and Bruce Arians work well, very much hand in hand. I think Tom Brady is partially to blame for the the downfall of Byron Leftwich's offense this year. And and Brady and the receivers were not on the same page. I mean, I think there's there's a lot going on there. So uh, I'm a little perturbed, I guess I could say, by this situation. I feel like Todd Bowles is going to run the the Bucks into the ground again, and um, we're going to see them sitting on the bottom of the league again. And and it's going to be on the shoulders of Todd Bowles, whether or not anybody wants to to realize it or understand it. And then he's got even more trouble because. Uh, their quarterback, Tom Brady, I mean, he's set to take time away to decide on his future. Uh, Bucks fl- players already feel like he's leaving. I, I mean, I and, and I guess Vegas is out there courting Tom Brady already. They're getting ready to, to make massive moves to try and bring Tom Brady in. Um, I think Tom Brady wants to go out to, you know, California and play for the 49ers, but how much? I don't think that's going to happen with Brock Purdy out there. I mean, it is what it is at this point. I, I just think I really think the Bucks are, are about to be in a bad way. No Tom Brady. If that's going to be rough. Um, next up, also the the uh, Ravens go out and fire their offensive coordinator Greg Roman after six seasons. Um, sort of a surprise because Greg Roman, when Joe Flacco went down and Lamar Jackson came in, you know. Greg Roman was the reason that, that that transition was so almost seamless. That's why that transition went as well as it did, is because Greg Roman said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a, uh, a positive step in the right direction to get Lamar Jackson where he needs to be. And, you know, in this situation, I, I, I really think this is a bad call. I think it's kind of, kind of silly on the Ravens' part. I, I understand that they didn't do well offensively, but Tyler Huntley was not good. The, the you know and and last year Tyler Huntley sort of had kind of a, a an exciting little run there and and you know last year you remember Tyler was on this show talking about how you know oh you know Tyler Huntley's going to be the guy and and he I think he's just as he could be just as good as Lamar and so on and so forth and and obviously this year Huntley came in and he proved that he is not as good as Lamar I I think people need to 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 realize that. Um, and, and I think people need to understand and realize that, that this does not fall on Greg Roman at that point. It really it doesn't. And, and for anybody to be blaming Greg Roman is just silly. I, I find that to be somewhat outrageous to me. Um, so, I mean, and, and then on top of it, the, the even worse news as it pertains to Greg Roman is Ravens head coach John Harbaugh says that there's a 200% chance that Lamar Jackson's coming back. So you're going to have possibly Lamar coming back. I mean, it, it sounds pretty probable. We'll see. But, I mean, he hasn't signed a deal yet, but they they believe they got Lamar locked up. 
So if he does come back and Greg Roman does go out the door, I mean, it, it kind of sucks for Greg Roman, and I actually feel for him because Greg Roman has done a great job for that Ravens team. So I, I'm, I'm a little surprised by this move, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, Lamar Jackson coming back into the fold as well. I mean, the Ravens fumbled this contract extension situation with Lamar, and, and they got to pay for it in the playoffs. They really did. They got to pay for it. Um, they they have, were low-balling the guy. I think they realized how valuable he is, and, and I think Lamar's whole plan was to make them realize how valuable he is. So expect him to get a huge extension in the future. Also, the Steelers' offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, is set to return as the offensive coordinator. There were questions about whether or not he was going to be shown the door. Nope, not so much. Matt Canada sticking around with the Steelers, which I think is actually a really good plan. Look, the Steelers starting Kenny Pickett out there. You know, obviously they haven't given him the best tools to be successful. We're going to see if Matt Canada can kind of turn this thing around moving into the future. I do think the Steelers, you know, making sort of a last-second, last-ditch effort, little run toward the playoffs, you know, uh, that that was a good thing. And I think Matt Canada was a big part of that. So, I mean, the Steelers making that run, that's exciting stuff. Um, also, the Jets are interviewing the former Bronco, Broncos head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, for the offensive coordinator job. Look, I understand Nathaniel Hackett really had a bad go in Denver. Um, I think Russell Wilson was a, a huge reason for that. And we're obviously we're going to find out how big of a role Russell Wilson played in, in Nathaniel Hackett's failure over there with the Broncos. I think we're going to find out um, really just how much it was Russell Wilson's fault as opposed to Nathaniel Hackett's fault. Hackett's a good offensive mind. He's a good offensive coordinator. He was a good offensive coordinator with, with uh, Packers for a long time. So we're going to see just what happens with Nathaniel Hackett and the New York Jets if he does get hired. Um, I think, it, honestly, it would be a good hire. And I think people are, are right now really, really down on Nathaniel Hackett, and I don't blame them. But if I'm if I'm looking at this Nathaniel Hackett situation, yeah, I, I honest to God, think that, that he's going to wind up being a, a uh, rock-solid, um, I think he's going to be a rock-solid offensive coordinator for somebody. And, and I think people are, are just going to be way down on him, you know, for, for no good reason at all. Uh, next up, the Titans. They go out and fire, hire, I'm sorry, hire, not fire. They hire the former 49ers top executive. Uh, he was the, the chief operating officer of player personnel, Rand Carthen, as their new GM. Uh, Rand Carthen, I like this hire. I know the the Titans just moved away from their, their um, uh general manager, and there's nothing wrong with that, um, but uh, I think Carthen's a good pick. I mean, judging by the things that have gone on with the 49ers, um, and obviously we've seen how certain guys have turned out that have left the 49ers, namely Quasi Adafo Mensa, who just brought the Vikings to a 13-win season. There's uh, excitement to be had there. I think they have a really good front office staff in San Francisco, and they're, they're just kind of churning out some of the best uh, general managers out there, and, and this is yet, yet another one who could be really, really good. So we're going to see how Rand Carthen does with the Titans. The Titans do need an overhaul, and he did say he was going to address that quarterback position, which I think is important because Ryan Tannehill has proven not to be the guy. So um, with that, and then also the, the Bengals left tackle Jonah Williams, right guard Alex Kappel, both of them ruled out for the divisional round matchup versus the Bills this weekend. The Bengals' offensive line is a mess right now. It is a decimated mess. They're going to have a very tough time versus a Bills pass rush that is very, very good. Um, 
I, whew, man, missing those two guys, two key guys. And Jonah Williams, he, his was a dislocated kneecap, so it was even worse. He's considered uh, day-to-day. I, I mean, that's going to be rough. And the Bengals have their work cut out for them. We saw them do it last year, though. Okay, we, we did see it. So, you know, Joe Burrow kind of got it done. Mm, it's going to be interesting. And last but not least, the Cowboys go out and sign kicker Tristan Vizcano as the, uh, he, to the practice squad, but they intend to stick with Brett Maher. Brett Maher missed four um, PATs after, after the touchdowns. Um, I mean, four straight. I mean, he was just shanking them. I, I don't know. He had a case of the yips, but it was uh, bowling shoe ugly on his end as far as his uh, kicking duties went. And, uh, yeah, I, I um, was kind of blown away by the fact that, that he was not playing as as uh, well as he did, so or as well as he did throughout the regular season. So we're going to see what goes on with um, with Brett Maher this week against the 49ers. Um, but getting Vizcano, obviously, was kind of – it kind of set off alarms to some folks, right? I mean, I don't – I don't blame blame people for having the, the alarms get set off there. Uh, so with that, folks, that's our news around the league. It's going to be kind of a short show today. Obviously, we have, we have some uh, stuff going on as far as uh, our, um, our next week's show coming up. It's, it's going to be an exciting one, much more exciting than this one. Obviously, I'm doing this solo, so it's a little rough. I'm used to having, uh, you know, my supporting cast here, and obviously, Andrew... Uh, and Alex aren't aren't around, so I've got to handle this one myself. So um, with that, we that's our news around the league, and we've got one more thing to take care of, and that is our picks for this week, uh, folks. Let's talk about it. We're going into the divisional round, so here are our predictions for the divisional round in the NFL, starting out with the Jags and the Chiefs. You know, uh, everybody's kind of going Chiefs here. I understand everybody's hot about the Jags. People think the Jags are, are red smoking hot right now. I don't blame them, but I'm going Chiefs here. Um, and as is Alex and, and Andrew, they're both going Chiefs. I, you know, I, I really do think at the end of the day it's Patrick Mahomes. And and I understand the Jags are, are playing tough right now. And, and people are, are excited about the Jags. I, I Hey, man, I'm fired up for them too. But Jags and Chiefs, I'm going Chiefs here. Divisional round, Chiefs are going to head to that that uh, NF, or that AFC title game. Next up, the Giants and the Eagles. Uh, you know, I'm going with the Eagles here. Alex and Andrew both going with the Eagles as well. Exciting game. Uh, I, I'm fired up about it. I don't blame people for being fired up about it. This one is going to be a, a really good one, I, I think, believe it or not. Giants and Eagles. Um, I think it's going to be a lot better than people anticipate. To be honest with you, the Giants are still playing hot. The Eagles, I understand the Eagles beat the Giants twice this year, but look, it's the Eagles. Then and they're gonna they're gonna have them and they're playing down right now. And Jalen Hurts is is still sort of recovering from that shoulder. And the Giants just came off the big win versus the Vikings. Exciting game. I'm going Eagles. Uh, Alex is also going with the Eagles, as is Andrew. So Eagles. Next up, Bengals Bills. This one could be the most exciting game of the week. I, I really do think it could be. Um, you got a couple of teams with decent defenses right now, and you got a couple of teams that have red hot offenses. I think it's going to be exciting. I'm going with the Bills. Um, I, I just think that that uh, the Bills are, are. A lot of people are saying that there was a seven to three lead in that game when when. 
you know, everything happened with Mar Hamlin. And, and I understand that. I get it. But at the end of the day, Bills are, are still the Buffalo Bills. I, I'm going with the Bills here. Um, and and uh, Alex is also going with the Bills. Andrew going with the Bengals in this situation. So, I mean, going to be an exciting one. Last but not least, Cowboys versus the Niners. Now, look. This is a nostalgia game for me. I'm fired up about the Cowboys versus the Niners. I don't blame people for being uh, fired up about it either. It's going to be a fun game, I think, but it's going to be a very grinded out type of game. It's going to be very defensive oriented. Two top defenses. You get Dak Prescott, who, you know, yeah, he had a great game against Camp Bay and, and Tom Brady, and, uh, you know, he, he did what he had to do. But the 49ers defense is the number one defense in the NFL, and the Cowboys are right there behind them. This is going, and Brock Purdy's a rookie, and Dak Prescott led the league in interceptions this year. I understand Dak's hot right now. Look, I, I, I this is going to be a boring game. It's going to be very, very boring. Uh, Alex picks the Cowboys. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Niners. I, I do think the Niners are going to going to pull it out. And then um, you got Andrew also going with the Niners here. So those are our predictions for the divisional round in the NFL. Now, folks, I know this show is short. I know it was a little boring today. I know it was a little just me. But, uh, you know, <laughs> next week we've got some exciting stuff going on. I'm going to have Alex Steele on board. We're hoping to have our boy, like I said, Jerome, just do it, Pruitt, on the uh, show. So hopefully uh, Mr. Pruitt can make it. And, um, man, we're fired up. So I hope everybody enjoys their divisional round weekend. Um, and, and uh Next week, we're going to be rocking and rolling. Conference Championship Weekend is going to be going. We're going to be talking a little bit about NFC North stuff, uh, what the NFC North teams need to improve on in the upcoming season. We're also going to be talking about uh, draft prospect, quarterbacks, and uh, wide receivers um, all next week. And we're going to be talking about our news around the league, all kinds of good stuff. So, folks, thank you so much for listening. I'm Scott. I'm Scotty Freytown, and uh, yeah, you guys just uh, keep on listening, keep on trucking, enjoy your division round weekend, and we'll see you next time right here on the Outside Blitz.